Hey, everybody. Welcome to Uncomfortable. The goal here is to have an honest and unflinching conversation about some of the issues that a lot of people think divide us right now as Americans. I'm Amna Navas. Each week, we're going to be featuring a one-on-one interview with a special guest to learn more about not only what they believe, but why they believe it. With me today is Jen Uger. Thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Great to be here. I I like being uncomfortable. Let's do it. Oh, great. Okay, cool. I hope you're comfortably sitting at the very least. (laughs) Listen, I don't even need to introduce you here. You are the the host, the CEO, the founder of the Young Turks. Hundreds of millions of people have watched you, have listened to you over the the many years that you've been broadcasting. Um, We were talking about this a little bit earlier, though, as a fellow person with a difficult four-letter first name. Mm -hmm. uh, That's got to have been a thing, though, growing up in the States. Tell me about you. Yeah, well, these days my critics have a different four-letter word that they like to call me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, um, I grew up till uh, the age of eight in Istanbul, uh, where Jenk was a very easy name, uh, fairly common, maybe like a Jason um, right. here in America, like a Jason type level. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, and then at the age of eight, uh, we moved to East Brunswick, New Jersey, and then all of a sudden it was Sank Weiger, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I won. Um, um, math award in I think sixth grade, uh, and they wanted to announce to the whole school, "Hey, we're really proud!" And oh, the God. principal's like, "So proud of Sanka for winning uh, uh, this award." And then my nickname was Sanka for half a year. Uh, I've had every nickname in the world. That is hard to shake. Yes, at that age. Yeah, my <laughs> my gym teacher didn't help when he said Jank Uger. No, we're gonna go with Hunky Chunky. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, what have you done to me? <laughs> And he had the whole uh, class go around in a, in a train going, hunka chunka, hunka chunka, hunka chunka. This is your teacher? Yes. <laughs> that is terrible. That kind of stuff stays with you. I hear not me. I, I'm too strong. Oh, man. <laughs> but as a kid, I mean, here's the thing. You, your family emigrated when you were eight. Yep. You had a full, like you had memories mm-hmm. back in Turkey before you came here. Did you carry a lot of that with you? Like how much of that of that is still with you today? See, this is why I like this conversation, because I, I rarely get a chance to talk about this on the show. We're doing the news every day, yada. Uh, and, and the reality is that actually my life in Istanbul was very similar to my life in New Jersey. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know that. They feel like, oh, the Middle East or the Muslim world is so foreign and so different. No, I grew up secular uh, in Istanbul, and I went to New Jersey where it was really multi-ethnic, uh, lots of Jews, Asians, Russians, Indians, etc., and the same kind of secular mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was different in that I spoke a different language in Turkey, and I had family and friends there that I got separated from, obviously, as we came here. Yeah. But otherwise, as a matter of culture and as a matter of how I was being brought up, it hardly changed at all. It didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Do you speak Turkish? Tabiki. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I all do, I know yes. is Ikidodo. That's all. <laughs> That's which is, right. Which is happy birthday. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, it, it technically means um, it's a good thing you were born. Oh, oh really? Yeah. And okay. in fact, uh, on my way here, a cabbie stopped and said to me in Turkish, good to see you again. I was like, what? I didn't even know I even saw you. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Yeah. So do you, do you teach your kids Turkish now? Uh, they took their first Turkish class uh, last weekend. Oh, man. How did yeah. that go? Um, Okay. okay. <laughs> We're getting started. We're getting started. They're my, young. They're yeah, little. Yeah. They're they're six and four. Okay. And my wife is Chinese. Okay. And, and so we, she's got a lot of family and friends where we live in LA. Yeah. Uh, I don't. There's like three Turks in the whole country. 
uh, let alone in L.A. So <laughs> much, much harder to teach them Turkish. Uh, but look, let's keep it real. Chinese is a much more important language. So I'm super psyched that they're learning Chinese. Yeah. And so now that they've actually started to take class and they've got a couple of friends in that class, in a miracle, there's another Turkish-American kid in my son's first grade class. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, and he's the one that told us about the, his mom is the one that told us about the Turkish class. Mm. So and we're like, okay, let's go there. And uh, so now they know one, two, and four. Four is a fun uh, word because it's dirt. Uh, so they're like, oh, that's easy to remember, dirt. I'm going to play in the dirt. I'm going to play in four. You got to start somewhere then. Yeah. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen your show mm-hmm. or seen you in that capacity, like this is a very measured you. Is mm-hmm. this is this how you usually are? Is this the way you always are? <laughs> so the answer is both. So here's what I mean by that. Okay. So normally uh, off air, I'm a super uh, happy-go-lucky guy. Okay. And uh, very calm, etc. Right. Um, I have, in the entire existence of the Young Turks, and we've been around for 15 years. In a business context, I've only yelled once. Um, and so, in a business context, what does that mean? Because anyone who goes to the internet and searches your name, you can come up with a lot of yelling. That's right. Yeah. So in a business context, was our landlord decided that it was a good idea to start drilling above our heads in the oh, middle of Oh, you mean a, like business, like yeah. off air yeah. to someone else That's you were right. yelling? That's what I mean. Okay. Like I, I, uh, I never yell at the at employees. Um, that doesn't make any good sense, right? <laughs> right. Um, I hate kiss up, kick down guys. I can't stand that. I think that's like the worst thing you could be. Yeah. I'm the opposite. Uh, I, I'm Everywhere I've ever worked, I've gotten in trouble with my bosses. <laughs> but but everybody I've ever worked with yeah. has always wanted to come back and work with me. Yeah. And so, um, uh, so no, I'm, I'm relatively calm. Now, having said that, the other side of it is I'm a super passionate dude. So it's uh, <laughs> a funny way of putting it. <laughs> so when I get mad on air... Uh, that's no joke. That's real. That's real. Okay. You're actually angry. Yeah. And if it's a good thing I got a talk show. Because if I didn't have a talk show. Then what would be the outlet? Yeah. It used to be my friends. And uh, they're they're thrilled that I got a show. Have you always been that way? Were you like that as a kid growing up too? That was just. Totally. I, really. I was born with a fire. Um, and so I, I used to fight when I was in school back when fights were normal. Uh, like physically fight. Yeah. 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 And. Um, and. But I wanted to fight for justice, so I would defend the smaller kids against the bullies. Uh, I uh, I'd let people take the first punch. That was my standard policy. I was like, "You take the first punch, no problem. Okay, you get a freebie." Uh, because I and then yeah, my dad told me that that you should never hit first. So that was. But my, it's okay to hit back. Yeah. <laughs> and so I liked fighting. So I like okay. Well, I might as well be try to be a good guy about it. Um. You went on, we should point out, we share uh, an alma mater, a collegiate alma mater, mm-hmm. UPenn, go Quakers. Uh, <laughs> we had very different experiences there from what I can tell. Yes. Because in our in our deep, deep dive on research, mm-hmm. you wrote for the Daily Pennsylvanian, their, yes. um, their newspaper. You you were a very staunch conservative. Yes. Self-described Republican, fair to say? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the only uh, important caveat is I was a liberal on social issues. Okay. Yeah. So um, I never thought racism was a good idea. <laughs> okay. And uh, and so you were pro life. Um, 
I was. I was briefly pro-life. That's right. Briefly yes. pro-life. Yeah. In college. What yep. strikes me about that is that college is the time when most people are at their most liberal, right? Even if you've grown up conservative, it's a, it's a liberal arts college. Or you went to Wharton, right? Well, I, you... I started at Penn and then transferred into Wharton. Okay. And I had b- both a, a business major and poli-sci. Okay. So a little bit of both. So how did you come to be a conservative in college? Yeah. No, I, I grew up a Republican. Uh, my dad ran a small business. Yeah. And so... And so, actually, let's go back further. In Turkey, there was big fights between the leftists and the rightists, hmm. okay? And and so we were on the right in that equation because back then everybody was secular in Turkey, so it wasn't a religious thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it was a capitalism versus non-capitalism thing. And my dad's a capitalist. I'm a capitalist. I still am, and I believe in that, right? So that, by definition, put us on the right. And so when we came here, we continued that, and you were a Republican if you were on the right wing here. And uh, and my dad ran a small business, and there was too much regulation. So his elevators would get inspected like six times a year. Mm-hmm. And we're like, look, we don't want the elevators to fall. That would be really bad for business. Can we inspect these twice a year to make sure they don't fall, right, instead of six, mm-hmm. and give all these costs, et cetera, right? Remember, taxes back then were at 70% was the highest bracket. That's a little high, right? <laughs> and. <laughs> Depending on where you live, yeah. Right. So, um, and 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 the Republican Party had not lost its mind. You could be a I, in, back then a reasonable Republican. I grew up in New Jersey. Tom Kane, reasonable liberal to moderate Republican. There right. is no liberal Republican anymore. There is no moderate Republican anymore. Mm-hmm. So on some of the issues, I would argue that I have not moved at all. Yeah. And the country has m- moved around me now. Again, the very country, m- America has moved around you. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> It moves all around me. I am the center. <laughs> no, um, no. let me be more clear. I actually don't think the country has moved at all in terms of it, the issues. It's always been left-wing, and it's deeply left-wing now. America is, okay? Okay. So mainstream media view of, uh, of America is totally wrong. Totally, okay? Okay. Because everybody, almost everyone in mainstream media will say that it, the country is center-right. Not remotely true based on the polling. Look at the polling on every issue. The country is not even center left, significantly left. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So what has moved is Washington. Now, Ronald Reagan couldn't make it through a Democratic primary today. Okay. He'd be considered too left. Hmm. Okay. Now that's pre-Bernie Sanders. He could he could make it through now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but seriously, before this election cycle, he did amnesty. He's exactly what the Republicans fight against. Yeah. He did blanket amnesty for millions of undocumented immigrants. Yeah. He ran from Lebanon. He cut and run. Now, that's arguably a good thing that he did, but he did cut and run from terrorist strike. He negotiated with terrorists, and he sold terrorist weapons. He, he wouldn't not only not make it in a Republican primary, he wouldn't, no way he'd make it out of a Democratic primary. So the, the Washington has become insanely right-wing. So some of my positions are the same. They're just considered wildly liberal now before they were considered center-right. Other positions have moved. I do. I want to ask you a little bit more about that because I think there's a whole conversation to be had just about self-identity these days, like how people classify themselves mm-hmm. based on the system that we live in. But I, I want to ask you something about this, though, about the things you were talking about in college, because you've ev- you've evolved on some of these, I would imagine. Yes. You were arguing in, in one of these op-eds, and I have to, your picture, by the way, back then is like... It's a thing of beauty. Uh, or the exact opposite. I mean, <laughs> that's I have the one way of putting it. Um, right. But you were arguing against affirmative action 
in one piece. You see, that's the position I have not moved on. You've not moved on that. Yeah, okay. I, I'm still against affirmative action. Um, you were uh, saying some questionable things about feminism. Uh, agreed. Okay, You've moved so away from I've those definitely now. moved away from that. Okay, uh, and I can explain that. Yeah, so I, I'm curious. I guess from the part that piques my interest is like, how do you change your mind? College is where you go to sort of like figure out who you are, solidify some of your ideas, find the the, the reasons behind the things that you believe. But how, how did you change? What yeah. changed? So, you know, there's that famous quote from Winston Churchill about how if you're not a liberal when you're young, then there's something wrong with your right. heart. I'm butchering the quote, but you know what I'm saying. And when you get younger, I mean, older, if you're not a conservative, there's something wrong with your head. I actually think it's almost the opposite. Uh, I think that in a fact-based world, especially in the context of American politics today, if after growing up you don't become a liberal, there's something wrong with you. You you can't you're not open to facts, and and you're, there's something wrong with your logical reasoning. If you are not a liberal, if you're not a liberal a when you get older, but yes, okay. Yeah. okay. Now and I'll and I'll tell you why. Okay. So first off, if you're talking about the entire political spectrum across the world. That's probably not a fair statement, right? But when you're talking about American politics, the right wing in America today denies facts, science, and logic. They do. They're living literally in an alternative reality. They say climate change is not real. Well, they're wrong. They're 100% wrong. Uh, the 97% of the world's scientists disagree with them. So it's not a debate. They're just wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I moved on the death penalty. Why? Okay. Now, now I... Sp- Maintain my position on the death penalty for a long time, including after we started the Young Turks. In fact, I had an hour-long debate with Mario Cuomo on the air about the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Okay, I walked out thinking I nailed it. I got him. <laughs> okay, and so, but what happened was, we found out that all of these guys who were on death row, four percent overall, and now dozens of people, were innocent. We did the DNA testing, and the Innocence Project proved that they had not done it. Now, it's one thing if you're a bad guy like me and you want vengeance. That is a perfectly, I view that to be a reasonable position. Now, a lot of liberals would disagree, and they say that's not the right instincts, and it's not the moral thing to do, and I love them for that position. To support capital punishment out of like an emotional response. Yeah, and it's not just emotional. No, vengeance is justice, okay? If someone kills someone I love, I want vengeance, and I'm not afraid to say that. Yeah. So that doesn't make me a good person. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us feel that way. We're we're human beings, and we have that in our heart. We do. And maybe it's again not a great character of mine. Mm-hmm. But what kind of a monster wants vengeance against innocent people? What kind of a person says, "I know we're killing the wrong people, but I want to kill the wrong people"? So if you saw the facts on how many people on death row are innocent, and you still want the death penalty? There is something deeply wrong with you. That's what made me change my mind. Not the arguments on deterrence or cost or any of that stuff. It was just that we were wrong. We were killing the wrong people. But there was there was uh, there were facts that came out, right? Like we evolved, criminal justice evolved to a, a point, not as far as it should. But like, you learned as you went. That's you right. identified as a Republican back then. Yep. Do you, you identify as a Democrat now. Well, that's a complicated question. So you identify I, as a progressive. Yeah, I am definitely a progressive. What does that mean? Okay. okay. So <laughs> okay. Um, let, let's break this down. Yeah. Um, there are. Let's tackle the three words: Democrat, liberal, and progressive. Democrat, uh, as it currently stands, and it doesn't have to be this way, and we're going to change it. But as it currently stands, stands for a weak, feckless uh, patsy 
who's going to give in to the Republicans and give them everything they want while pretending to be uh, in opposition. You're speaking for the way you think most of the general population sees the Democratic Party yes. in its they current see, incarnation. Yes, okay. they see them as generally pathetic. Okay. Okay. So uh, I think and, Democrats would disagree, but and, or people who self-identify as Democrat, but and, and corrupt. Okay. okay. Part of the corrupt establishment, and their job is to lose to the Republicans. They're like the Washington generals playing the Harlem Globetrotters. They're literally their job is, and they get paid to lose. Okay. No interest in that. Okay. No way that I would call myself a Democrat under those circumstances. Okay. Now, again, we're going to change that. I'll get back to that in a second. Okay. Okay. Uh, liberal is a person who's better than me, who has a kind heart uh, and and is open to people more than I am. There was this pastor who recently passed away because he helped people who had addiction problems, who had mental issues, and he was such an unbelievably great guy. I wouldn't do that. I'd be afraid they're going to kill me, and it turns out they did kill him. Okay. And so that's a better person than I am. That's a liberal. A liberal wants to get rid of all the nukes in the, in the world. I want to get rid of all the nukes, but I honestly think it's not overly realistic. Okay? Okay. So uh, Jesus Christ is a liberal. I mean, he is a classic liberal. And what kind of insane world do we live in that anybody could read the Bible and think that Jesus would be for the right wing? <laughs> he threw the money changers out of the temple, turned the other cheek. I'm not a turned the other cheek guy. Right. Okay. So Jesus is a better man than I am. That's not a controversial statement. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so that's a liberal. Progressive, it's just I think there's two core uh, elements of a progressive. Okay. One is obviously progress, is which uh, is in part expanding the circle of liberty. So a progressive wants uh, those great fundamental human rights to apply to more than just propertied white men. They want it to be non-property white men and then non-white men and women and everyone else. So if you are fighting for civil rights, women's rights, gay rights, you are at the core of what it means to be a progressive. Okay. Because you're expanding the liberty that is owed to all of us as human beings. Okay. And then the second part is equality of opportunity. Mm -hmm. Not equality of results, equality of opportunity. Why shouldn't my kid have the same exact chance as Mitt Romney's kid, Donald Trump's kid, et cetera? So- uh, free college education would be at the core of what it means to be a progressive. Mm -hmm. So will, do progressives and liberals overlap? Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's some like, Venn diagrams to be drawn here, right? Of course, yeah. right? Um, so that's my definition of the difference between a liberal and a progressive. Okay. Okay. And, and maybe I'm being unfair to liberals in that they're as rational and practical as I would paint progressives. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm being unfair to progressives that they're maybe as decent and, and kind-hearted as liberals are, mm -hmm. right? So, and, and obviously there's giant overlap, okay? Okay. Now let's come back to the Democrats. Now, I started a new uh, wing of the Democratic Party. You sure did. I did, uh, with uh, half of Bernie's team. And, and we should point out, so you supported Senator Sanders, right? Absolutely. Wholeheartedly, which Completely. I'm just curious of those camps you just described, which he he falls under progressive Democrat or yes. just progressive. Yeah, I, look, liberals can claim Bernie, no question, and progressives can definitely claim Bernie. He's yes. mainly known as a progressive. Okay, okay, uh, but the corporate Democrats cannot claim Bernie, mm -hmm. and they're trying really hard right now. Like, oh, we were with Bernie all along. But at the same time, his involvement, his whole campaign moved the whole Democratic Party, too. So it, no, that's actually, that's a super fair assumption. But in reality, it's just optics. They haven't moved an inch. If you read a Washington Post article that came out a, a couple of days ago yeah. uh, from Ed uh, O'Keefe, Chuck Schumer, he says, the five most important senators are the ones that I have dinner with every day. Hmm. Uh, no, I'm sorry, once every two weeks. 
And I was like, ooh, this is really interesting. Who are the five, right? And I'm like, if they really move, it's going to be Bernie and Elizabeth Warren and Sherrod Brown, right? No, it's um, McCaskill and Donnelly and Manchin, the most conservative corporatist Democrats in the Senate. They haven't moved at all. You but know what they're going to try to do? You don't think the platform was indicative of what, where they think no. they're going or who they think they need to speak to? Okay. No, the platform was, uh, are you Bernie guys done yet? But like, the platform, even the Bernie guys came out and said, we got like 80% that, of you everything know why? we wanted in there. You know why? Because if Hillary Clinton had won, she would have wholesale ignored that platform. You think? Absolutely. So first of all, no one cares about the platform. I, look, progressives have <laughs> fought for that platform. I hired one of them. I love you, yeah. and I'm glad you did. Okay, and you're. It's a good battle, and we're going to win that battle. But Democratic presidents never go. Hey, what's in the platform? Let me go look at the platform and see which but way the we should go. Is, I mean, if you're talking about like true pure parties here, because these are the parties as exist, and we'll get into your party in just a second, which is actually a wing, right? It's not yes, like a new party. Yes, yes. So you're still under that party. You're still yes. a Democrat, technically. Uh, but I'm taking the Democratic Party back but, and making it strong. But again. if you are trying to give people something to believe in, mm-hmm. that's what they look to, right? They're like, you are putting out, these are the things that I believe in. This is who we stand for. So th- there's a giant difference between Democratic voters who are Great. I love Democratic voters. Okay. And Democratic politicians who are disastrous. So if Hillary Clinton had won, and I know Barack Obama did it, Bill Clinton did it, they're like, platform, platform, that's a good one. Right. No, 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 no. Who's my donors? You know who, uh, how Barack Obama picked his cabinet? He asked Citigroup. And Citigroup handed him a sheet a month before he took office. I'm sorry, a month before the election. And so this is going to it was a guy who, yes, has d- done the revolving door between Democratic politics Which and is bankers a for both sides. That's right. right. But he handed Obama's cabinet. Everyone except one person on that list actually was Obama's cabinet. Hmm. Citigroup picked Obama's cabinet because they were his top donors. I mean, you think those guys care what your progressive platform says? They all they care about is the donors because that's how we set up the system. We said, if you have more money, you will win 95% of the time. That is literal in our case in Congress, okay? Mm-hmm. So what do people do? As Larry Lessig, great professor, godfather of money out of politics movement mm-hmm. out of Harvard, says, they lean to the green. And they do. They lean towards the money, at a minimum lean towards it. So that's why uh, the, the Hillary Clinton would have done all those things. She would have approved every corporate-sponsored thing, including TPP. She said she was against it. I didn't believe her one second. Mm. There's no way she was going to be against TPP. Mm. Okay. By the way, that's why she lost the election, because no one believed her. Democrats didn't believe her. They didn't show up to vote. Independents didn't like her at all, didn't believe her. Republicans despised her. Mm. And she earned their distrust over decades of broken promises. Do you think if Senator Sanders had dropped out earlier, she would have stood a better chance? Absolutely not. She would have stood a worse chance. The only reason she had any chance of winning is because at least Bernie's a decent, honest guy, and he was backing her, and it made some of his supporters go, But he wasn't backing her until the convention. I mean, he fought right up until the end. No, 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 no. So Democrats are, and, and conventionalism that says primaries are a bad thing and they hurt the party, is the exact opposite. So what primaries do is they strengthen candidates. Look at what happened on the Republican side. They had 17 people in their primary. And the guy who won came out stronger and beat 
the person who was supposed to be the presumptive president, right. the overwhelming favorite. Right. Right. Democrats hate primaries because corporate Democrats don't want to be challenged. If they're challenged and have to run against a real progressive, they will lose. So they put out the myth that primaries hurt the Democratic Party. No, they hurt donors who want to handpick corporate Democrats that they like and jam them through. We're going to primary all of them, almost every Democrat that exists today will get a primary from a real progressive. Okay. Justice Democrats. Yes. On January 24th, you took to the airwaves, right? You announced, these are your words, a hostile takeover. Why does it have to be hostile? Of the Democratic Party, I should say. A hostile takeover. That's right. Why? Uh, uh, so here's why. Because they're not going to do what we tell them to do. And what we tell them to do is the progressive position. You can read our platform. It's very similar to the Democratic platform, except we mean it. <laughs> and so... Wait, is there any... Policy-wise, though, substantially, is there anything drastically different from the Democratic Party platform as it currently exists? We're, we're a little stronger on, on a couple of fronts. One is... Yeah, you have to be for a constitutional amendment to get money out of politics. Okay. That is non-negotiable. Okay. Okay. Uh, and the other is that you cannot take corporate money. And so that's why they won't do it. Okay. And you can't take big donor money. There's no way these corporate Democrats are going to agree to that. Hmm. They're going to say, oh, you're, you foolish uh, liberal or progressive. You're, you're so impractical. You don't know how to win elections. This oh, is your Democrat voice, by the way. That's right. Point yeah. okay. And Go. by the way, how's the Democratic Party doing in that category? Yeah. How are they doing in winning elections? So let's talk about the... No, there's a real problem there across the country, right? It's not so, uh, It's not a problem. It no, is for a the Democrats. Yeah, it's a catastrophe. So they have a giant demographic advantage. They have an advantage on almost every policy issue, yet they've lost the House, the Senate. They lost the White House to a monster who was the least popular person to ever run for president, and they lost to him anyway. They lost the Supreme Court. They didn't fight for their pick for a whole year. They lost 69 out of 99 Well, they would argue they did fight. But they, that's exactly they what they would obstructed. argue. No, 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 no. So did the Republicans obstruct them? Of course. We can see it with our eyes. Mm. So, I, But so what? The Democrats obstructed the Republicans in, you know, in the Trump cabinet picks. And guess how much he got through? Every single one of them. OK, so you either fight back aggressively or you fold. And that's what the Democrat corporate Democrats have done for my entire lifetime. They fold, they fold, they fold. They're in the folding business. So you, you're calling them all the establishment Democrats, corporate Democrats, right? Yes. And you're, I know you're big on getting money out of politics. You focus a lot of your, of your work and, and your, your message on that. So how how are justice Democrats different? How are you going to do things differently? Yes. So. Once you don't take corporate or big donor money, mm -hmm. then you are free. You are free to actually represent the people. So the reason that the corporate Democrats don't fight and they don't fight back aggressively is, ooh, but my donors are going to be uncomfortable. Now, this is real. So if you, if, for example, the Republicans take all that money from Wall Street, right? They are craving in their corruption. But why don't the Democrats call them out on it? Why doesn't Hillary Clinton call them out on it? Because she also takes money from Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And her not only are they her donors, but after decades, they're her best friends. So she doesn't want to say Wall Street's the problem. If I run populist campaigns that are beholden only to the people and not to the donors, mm -hmm. we are going to run 
rough shot, not just over the Democratic Party, but we are going to win not just in blue states against Republicans, we're going to win in purple states against Republicans, and I guarantee you we're going to win in some red states against Republicans. Jake, you are not answering my question. Okay. <laughs> How are you going to do it differently? You still need money. You need money to run a campaign. You need money to get oh, your name course, out. Oh, of course, of course. What are you going to do? So, I know you guys put out a call for nominations, right? Yes. You said nominate people that you think should be running yes. for office. So uh, we're going to. it's not like we're going to do it on air and rainbows and unicorns. No. <laughs> of course. <laughs> There's a new way of raising money, and it's through small donors. You know how much Bernie Sanders raised? He raised $250 million from small donors. Now, you can say, oh, flash in a pan. That's, you know, and I, I know a lot of this establishment just wants desperately to go back to the way it was when we were so comfortable losing to the Republicans and our donors were so happy, right? Okay, no. Uh, the paradigm has shifted. And populism is on the rise. If you can't see that from Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump and what's happened here, you're purposely trying not to see it. So we will raise a lot of money from small donors. We will be super practical in how we run those campaigns. So, am How I, are you going to run that? Where are you focusing? Okay. So first, let's talk macro to answer your question. Okay. And then I'll get specific as to how we're going to run the campaigns. Okay. So we ask for nominees of real people that are leaders in their community. Have you okay. had nominees or nominations come in? Yeah, we thought we'd get a couple hundred. In the first two weeks, we had 2,700 people nominated. Just online on your website? Uh, through justicedemocrats.com. Uh-huh. So I made the call on the Young Turks because I believe in it. It's not connected to the Young Turks, but I believe in it. Um, Kyle Kalinske from Secular Talk made the call on his uh, on his uh, program, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, we put the word out online. JusticeDemocrats.com. Twenty seven hundred nominees. Now, some of them already we see them. They're great. They're leaders in their community, and they run a small business. And they're like, I don't know if I can do this at the same time, but man, I. I want to help. I want democracy back. There's teachers. There are Iraq war veterans. We're going to run real people like democracy was supposed to be. That House of Representatives has become a joke. They have a 7% popularity rating. We're going to turn that back into House of Representatives. They're going to represent us. Okay. Are you going through all the nominations? um, So I don't run Justice Democrats day to day. Okay. Uh, I'm one of the founders, and I support it on air. Me personally, I do. Uh, but Shoykat Chakrabarti, who was the director of organizing technology for the Sanders campaign, right. is the executive director of Justice Democrats. Okay. And yes, they are vetting. We can't run 2,700 people. We're going to vet, and we're going to be very careful in our vetting. So some, by the way, some people will think, oh, no, I wanted to run, but they, they didn't pick me. Yeah. That's right. That's what's going to happen. We're going to pick the best candidates. We're going to run them against the corporate Democrats, okay. and we're going to break their back. Where are you okay. going to run them? So just to finish up on, on the other metrics. Yeah. Um, we had 114,000 people sign up in two weeks. So who starts a party in two weeks? As sign a, up for? To be a justice Democrat. 114,000 people. That's okay. like on your website. They go That's in and right. say, keep me updated. Yes. Okay. They say they've uh, signed up to be a member of that party and, and to keep updated, et cetera. Okay. We've raised nearly half a million dollars. Boom. Right out of the gate. I mean, people think they can't. we can't do it. Sit back and watch. Okay. Or better yet, join us. So now when you run the races, we're not going to play patty cakes, okay? Okay. So what is important in that district? Now, I I think the most important issue is money in politics, and I think it's a great issue to run on. But if we think that's not the issue to run on in that that particular district, then we're going to run on whatever resonates with that district. We're going to be super practical in employing money, Mm -hmm. employing staff, and picking the best candidates, and we're not going to let those Democrats get away with it. 
you're going to be. Are you targeting specific Democrats already? Like, are you looking at the map and saying this is where Democrats have been hemorrhaging seats? This is where we need to go first. So it, it is a combination. We those decisions are very important and is are going to be made on a number of factors. Uh, one is where are best candidates. So some candidates, of course, are better than others. Mm-hmm. Some are, have a really strong message or are very passionate, already have a proven record in their community, right? Where are our best candidates? Where are their weakest candidates? So when I say they, I mean the corporate Democrats. Mm-hmm. So they will cry and cry when we run against them in blue states. And they will say, oh, no, why bother you know, doing a primary? The voice has evolved, by the way, <laughs> over the course of our conversation. And they'll squeal, okay? And, and they'll say, oh, no, this is a safe seat. Yeah, it's a safe seat for corporate donors. We're not interested in that. Then when we go to purple states, then the crying will multiply. No, you're going to cost us the election and hand it to Republicans. We were running such a great corporate strategy. Really? You've gotten mauled by the Republicans. You've gotten mauled in my lifetime, even though you have every advantage in the world. You were running a horrible strategy. Step aside, Butch. Setting aside your nominees as they've been coming in, when you look at the map, mm-hmm. where do you want to focus? So Whether you've got people coming in as potential strong nominees or not. Okay. So when we look at that, first off, there's no reason why in any of the blue states we should countenance corporate Democrats. So we got to wipe them clean. In Connecticut, why why would I have a guy who's just beholden to his donors in Connecticut? No, I can get a super strong progressive in Connecticut. I can get super strong uh, progressives in Rhode Island, Hawaii, Massachusetts, etc. So we're definitely going to do that. And then in the purple states, for God's sake, get out of the way because we got to win those seats. We it, they, this is not an exercise in making people feel good. I don't have time to waste. I run a company. I host a show. I run a whole nother pack to get money out of politics. The only way, I, only reason I'm doing this is because we got to win. We can't let these establishment Democrats run one more race against the Republicans. They have shown and pro- they've, they have a proven record of failure. I, there is no way on God's green earth I'm going to let them run against Trump again. No way. Did Not you, on our watch. Did you have to start a new party? Well, I mean, why couldn't this change or this shift have come by continuing to work within the existing framework? No, th- that's but that's exactly what's wrong is the existing framework because the existing framework is built around money. So but when you look at the things that have moved the needle even in the last couple of weeks, when you look at grassroots organizing, when you look at the way people look back on the Sanders campaign, that stuff still matters. It still moves the needle when it comes to how people are responding to their constituents. So, first so why of all, couldn't you get people really fired up about money and politics and say, flood your representative's office with calls? Okay, I'll, t- I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. First, yeah. let's just be super clear. It's not a third party. It's the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. It is the Justice Democrats. Okay, but you want a hostile takeover of, of the, the corporate Party. Democrats. Okay. Right now, the corporate Democrats are the overwhelming majority of Democratic so-called leaders. When they don't represent us, they represent their donors. So we're going to do a hostile takeover over there, over of the existing Democratic Party. But we are within the Democratic Party. Okay. Point two is uh, you're the Bernie Sanders thing. Mm-hmm. That is what we're doing. We're saying now, if you want to be a Bernie Sanders type of candidate, great. We're your wing. We're the justice wing, okay? So you come to us. We help you maybe with money. We certainly help you in showing you how to run a campaign and perhaps staffing your campaign. Mm-hmm. And so, All the logistics. Right. That go we into help it. you how to win. We show you how to win. And lastly, this is really important, branding. So unfortunately, a lot of politics is about name recognition. Mm-hmm. And if you're Bob Smith in the middle of Nebraska, nobody knows you. 
then and they might know the the establishment Democrat who's been there for 30 years and running the same old corrupt campaign, right? Now Bob Smith is a justice Democrat. Hmm. And now people know what a justice Democrat is, and they go, that's the guy I want. I don't want the corporate Democrat. I don't want the establishment Democrat. I want the justice Democrat. Does it have to be hostile? Yes. No, here's, here's the thing, because you, you have a very big personality. There was a documentary <laughs> made about you called Mad as Hell. You, yes. You, li- you, you like to fight. You're I like to fight. You're a combative dude. I, this is, God, this country is, it needs some help right now. So, so I'll tell you why. Can't there be a more unifying message? Yes, there is. There's a unified message. Our message. So, no, and I'm serious. You have now, the word hostile in your pitch to Americans. Yeah. No, no, but let me explain why. It's a great question. So- what the Democrat they use the word unity now as an excuse for don't fight against establishment Democrats. Get behind us. Don't don't bother me. Let me keep on losing. Okay. What does unity mean? It mean it doesn't mean that I have to get behind Chuck Schumer. Why why do we have to unify behind Chuck Schumer? Why can't we unify behind Bernie Sanders? When you say that, they go, oh, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. You're being hostile. You're 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 you know, you're challenging me. Of course I'm challenging you because you're wrong. I'm not going to unify behind a Goldman Sachs strategy. If you want to unify behind the actual Democratic platform, the Justice Wing, and Bernie Sanders, then get behind us and unify. But we're not going to lead people into another disastrous electoral loss behind your sorry ass. So now, if you think that if I go to Chuck Schumer and say, hand over the keys, he's going to say, oh, Cenk. Well, it's a good thing you're here. Here you go, right? Here's the keys to the kingdom. No, he's going to fight me. You have to be realistic about that. The, the you're cor- setting it up as a battle. It is. You think that's because, the mentality. Because it is. People need to They're engage. Not, you think that the Jim Himes, uh, the representative from Connecticut, who's actually the representative from Goldman Sachs, is going to say, Cenk, you're right. Why don't I think about how Goldman Sachs is manipulating the markets? I mean, I work there and I support them and they're my top donors. You're right, though. I'll become a progressive overnight. I'm going to have to beat him. That's the reality. Are you setting this up for 2018? Uh, oh, yeah. 2018. Is, yeah? Oh, we're coming. Yeah. 2018, we show them what we got. Uh, JusticeDemocrats.com, come join us now. Okay? We show them what we got. And then in 2020, we're, we're the leaders of the Democratic Party. Are you going to run? No. Would you ever run? Very unlikely. Very unlikely. That's not a no. Look, so there is a fantasy uh, a daydream that I have that uh, w- Young Turks is the leading news network in the world. Check. <laughs> and, and to be fair, only online. I want to win on all platforms. All credit where credit is due. You got eighty million uniques a month right yep. now, right? Yep. You guys are you guys are doing great. You're going right. strong. And and we've gotten money out of politics. That is. We've gotten the amendment. If I get the amendment, that's like a Michael Jordan, Tom Brady moment. Not not to celebrate me, but to celebrate the country. Yeah. Like I would hold that constitution so tight, like a, you know, and 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 then I could retire. I can do anything I want. I could just I could just drift off into pasture. All I want is that amendment because that fixes the system, because the system is everything. Okay, if we fix the system and politics isn't corrupt anymore. And the Justice Democrats or whoever has won, and there are real Democrats, real progressives, like like we've gone to the old days of FDR, et cetera, the real Democratic Party as it used to be. Could I run for senator from my home state of New Jersey or California, you know, in retirement? Uh, maybe. But maybe. not today. Not, what, what's, what's the point? We'll take a maybe. 
We'll take a maybe. I can think of no better way to end than on Jenk Uger's daydream <laughs> right there. Jenk uh, Uger, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It was, a, it was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Uncomfortable. If you like what we're doing, take a minute, leave us a rating and a quick review. It helps others to find these conversations, and we really just want to hear what you think. Plus, we've made it easy. Just click on the link in the description of this episode. If you have an idea for a show topic or a guest, leave it in the reviews or tweet at me, at Navazistan. That's N-A-W-A-Z-I-S-T-A-N, or use the hashtag UncomfortableTalk. Uncomfortable is a production of ABC News. New episodes post every two weeks on Tuesday mornings. I'm Amna Navaz. Thanks for listening. <laughs>